Shalom, greetings, peace be upon you, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, I'm wanting to uh, start a series in the book of Kings, First and Second Kings. We've been through First and Second Samuel, except I realized recently that we didn't finish Second Samuel. There were still two chapters, one of which is fairly important. And so, this morning we are going to cap off our study for First and Second Samuel uh, with reading the last two chapters of the story, chapter twenty-three and chapter twenty-four. Now, it's interesting because chapter 24 kind of plays into a theme and a topic that we've been talking a lot about lately, uh, and that is the sovereignty of God. In chapter 24, we have a story that's really reminiscent, to me personally anyway, of the Pharaoh Egypt situation. And we've been over that quite a bit, and we talked about how uh, we talked about the sovereignty of God and how uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then we have to wrestle with the question, well, does Pharaoh even have a choice? And one of the conclusions that I've come to after studying it many, many times, and probably half a dozen times or more on this podcast, is that judgment was due to Egypt. Uh, the, the, the cup had become full the cup of iniquity had become full, and it was time for all these things to take place, for the Israelites to be set free, for God's glory and power to be made known to the Egyptians, and for judgment to come on Egypt for what they had done. And therefore, God hardening Pharaoh's heart was just and right. In this situation, we have King David, and this is the last story in Second Samuel. King David commits this sin of numbering the people. And then there's great consequence to doing that. But there's a couple of elements. Um, there's this line in here. Let me just read the very first verse of chapter 24. And it says, And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. This is difficult theologically because it seems to be saying David committed this sin, yet, you know, David did this thing that was wrong, which brought judgment on Israel, but it says that God moved David to do it. And there's very there's and as we get into kings there there's several things like that that are that are difficult to wrestle with and we don't one thing is we don't always have to have the answers like we don't have to know and understand everything there is about God in order to believe that God is who he says he is but there are things that we will wrestle with that will be strugglesome you know some people really find it difficult dealing with the whole Pharaoh God hardened his heart thing. I personally don't find it difficult, but many do. This is another one of those things that you really have to just bow down to the sovereignty of God and understand that he has reasons and purposes for these things. 
It starts off with, and again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So because of their sin and disobedience, this has come upon them. But it's difficult to deal with the fact that God would move David to do something that would bring judgment. But it is what it says. All right. We will get into that, chapter 24, but first got to read chapter 23, which is really kind of just like a genealogy, and a, it's got some last words of David, and then the mighty men of David accounted for with some of the uh, incredible works that they had done. So let's do, let's read through chapter 23, it's 39 verses, and then we'll get to this story of David numbering Israel, and then David given a uh, choice. What judgment do you want? And there's some wisdom in David's response uh, that I think will resonate with us. Okay, now that the stage is set, let's begin. Chapter 23, the book of 2 Samuel, King James Bible. Verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, The man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he should be as a light of the morning when the sun rises, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made me with an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. But the sons of Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachamite that sat in the sea, chief among the captains, the same was Adino, the Esnite. He lift up his spear against eight hundred whom he slew at one time, and after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defeated the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He rose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where it was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and, defeat, and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time into the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Raphaim. And David was then in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. 
And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. And Abashi, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief among three. And he lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them, and had the name among thee. Was he not the most honorable of thee, of three? Therefore he was their captain, howbeit he attained not unto the first three. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the son of a violent man, of a valiant man, of Kebazil, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, and he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among three mighty men. He was more honorable than the thirty, but he attained not to the first three, and David set him over his guard. Asiel, the brother of Joab, was one of thirty. Elahan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem. Shammah, the Herodite. Elika, the Herodite. Helez, the Palatite. Ira, the son of Ikesh, the Tekite. Abazar, the Anithiohite. Mabinuna, the Hathuahite. Zalaman, the Ahohite. Mahari, the Naphtalahite. Heleb the son of Baanah, a Naphtalahite, Ittiah the son of Rabiah, out of Gibeah of the children of Benjamin, Benaiah the Pharahite, the Parahite, Hydea of the brooks of Gaash, Ahibalon the Harbaahite, Azmaveth the Bahiramite, Ahilabab the Shahalabanite of the sons of Jason, Jonathan. Shama of the Hararite, Ahiam of the son of Sha'ar the Hararite, Eliphialet, the son of Abishai, the son of Malachite, Elam, the son of Ahilophel of Gilanite, Hezrai, the Carmelite, Pari of the Arbite, Igal, the son of Nathan of Zobath, Bani, the Giddite, Zelek, the Ammonite, Nahari, the Berhite, armor-bearer of Joab, the son of Zariah, Ira the Ihrite, Gerab and Ithrite, Yura the Hittite, thirty and seven in all. All right, please note, that's the end of chapter 23. By the way, those last few verses, difficult to read when you're trying to uh, read these names and their tribes. Uh, very challenging. Just, the stories of the mighty men are, are quite fascinating as well. You know, you have uh, you have Adino, the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against eight hundred and slew them all at one time. That's unthinkable, unfathomable. Uh, 
some of these things that they did. Uh, this guy uh, says, Anabaniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of, Kez- of Kebazil, who had done many acts, and he slew two lion-like men of Moab, and he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit of snow. And there's another guy that slew 300 men at one time. I mean, this is, this is unbelievable. And I'm sure that there's some amazing things that we just don't know uh, historically that took place with all these battles with the Philistines and with giants and uh, some amazing stories out there to be discovered, surely. All right. Now we're going to get to chapter 24, David's sin and numbering the people. Let's have a look at it, and I will read a little commentary for Matthew Henry. Maybe that'll uh, help us a little bit to reconcile... Uh, some of these challenges. Here's chapter 24. And again the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. For the king said to Joab, the captain of the host, which was with him, Go now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, and number ye the people, that I may know the number of the people. Joab said unto the king, Now the Lord thy God add unto thy people how many soever they be, and a hundredfold, and that the eyes of my lord the king may see it. But why doth my lord the king delight in this thing? Notwithstanding, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the host. And Joab and the captains of the host went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. And they passed over Jordan and pitched in an Arur on the right side of the city that lieth in the midst of the river of Gad and toward Jazir. Then they came to Gilead and the land of Tatim Hodashai, and they came to Dan Jaan and about to Zidon. And it came to the stronghold of Tyre and all the cities of the Hivites of the Canaanites, and they went out to the south of Judah, even to Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. And Joab gave up the sum of the number of the people unto the king. And there were in Israel eight hundred thousand valiant men that drew the sword. And the men of Judah were five hundred thousand men. And David's heart smote him after that, that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done, and now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and told him, and he said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land? Or will thou flee three months before thy enemies while they pursue thee? Or that there be three days pestilence in thy land? Now advise and see whatever I shall return to him that sent me. All right, so let's take a minute. 
So God's anger is moved against Israel, so he moves David to do this thing of numbering the tribes. Now, I don't know if the sin is because of pride. Look at my kingdom. How many how many people are in my kingdom? I'm not, you know, it's debatable. Uh, but that's not what I want to focus on. Either way, it's a sin. It's made known to David through the prophet Gad, who is a seer. And he's given three choices as his punishment. You can have seven years of famine. That's pretty bad. Uh, you can go back to running from your enemies for three months. That's pretty bad. Of course, both of those things have to deal with men. Uh, you know. Or you can have three days of pestilence that come into Israel. Uh, none of those options seem delightful. Uh, I'd be asking, is there a fourth option? <laughs> but here's what David said. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. And let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from morning morning even to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan, even to Beersheba, 70,000 men. This is an interesting statement by David. Rather than famine or running from men, he chooses the pestilence because he believes that God will be more merciful than, than, if, the, than if God used people to bring in judgment because people are less kind, less loving, less merciful than God is. And that's an interesting truth. So David said to Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. And let me not fall into the hand of man. That's such an interesting statement. Such a true statement. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from morning even time to, point to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan, even to Beersheba, 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, It is enough. Stay now thy hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Arunah the Jebusite. And David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people. And he said, Lo, I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let thy hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. So, just as David had hoped, though, the original plan, apparently, was restrained. Right? So you had 70,000 people die. The angel was getting ready to put his hand over Jerusalem. And God said, no, we're going to stop here. David is able, supernaturally, somehow to see this. And then he's grieved that, the whole, that all of Israel would pay the price of one man's sin. And it's a lesson that this is the case. This is why it's so important to have godly leaders. Because ungodly leaders will lead you into destruction. As we are seeing worldwide right now. What happens when the devil's children rule the world. Verse 18, And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord. And the threshing floor of, of Aruna, the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord had commanded. 
And Arunah looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arunah went out and bowed himself before the king and his face upon the ground. And Arunah said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Arunah said unto David, Let my lord the king take an offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be an oxen for the burnt offering, and threshing instruments and other instruments of oxen for wood. And all these things did Arunah as the king, give unto a, as a king, give unto the king. And Arunanah said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said to Arunanah, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God, which have cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord, and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land, and the plague was stayed from Israel. And that is how Second Samuel ends with this bizarre story about judgment. It's also a story about mercy and grace, God's mercy in contrast with men's mercy. It's also a story about how important godly leadership is. Yes, David made a mistake, but he owned the mistake, understood that it that people were suffering because of his poor decisions and went forth to try to reconcile that. He prays to God for mercy. Uh, there's just so much, so much we could deal with there. Let me read Matthew Henry's commentary real quick before we wrap up about the first nine verses, right? About this whole anger the Lord was kindled against Israel and he moved David against them. Here's what he says. For the people's sin, David was left to act wrong, and in his chastisement they received punishment. This example throws light upon God's government of the world and furnishes a useful lesson. The pride of David's heart was his sin in numbering the people. He thought thereby to appear the more formidable, trusting in an arm of flesh more than he should have done. And though he had written so much of trusting in God only, God judges not of sin as we do. What appears to us harmless, or at least but a small offense, may be a great sin in the eyes of God, who discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. Even godly men can discern evil tempers and wrong conduct in believers of which they themselves often remain unconscious. But God seldom allows those whom he loves the pleasures they sinfully covet. Wow. Matthew Henry was in a... You need to go study Matthew Henry if you haven't. This idea that men were not as smart as we are today is absurd. Matthew Henry was an absolute genius who committed his life to writing and commentating about God's word and the man only lived to be in his I think late 40s or early 50s so he wasn't even here very long but this paragraph is extremely powerful um, and 
really breaks down clearly what's going on here. Mm, I like it. Uh, let me just read that last part again. Because this is, this is such great wisdom. God judges sin not as we do. What appears to us harmless, or at least but a small offense, may be great sin in the eye of God who discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. We need to be careful about, well, this isn't a big deal. I mean, you wouldn't think it's a big deal. Okay, he wants to, to, he wants to do a census and know how many people are in Israel. Okay, yeah, it's a little prideful, a little arrogant, but what's the, what's the harm? What's the big deal? Well, it led to 70,000 dead because it angered God. What appears to us as harmless or a small offense may be a great sin in the eyes of God. Such wisdom. Such wisdom. I pray you've been blessed this morning. I don't know how you could hear this story, hear this commentary from Matthew Henry, and not be changed, not be blessed, not be full of truth. The things of God... I'm, I'm trying to find the words. You know, Jesus said, I don't, you know, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds, right, from God. Paraphrasing, obviously. If you don't have this coming into your heart and soul and mind, you're empty. Because nothing else will satisfy, nothing else will, will fill. Okay, starting to ramble. Thanks for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.